We always want to get the user to an, uh, a feeling where they felt that they've been listened to. Uh, in my mind, even more so than giving someone the wrong information, uh, more so than taking forever to get back to them. Uh, there's nothing worse than when I ask someone a question and then the response gives me the impression that they didn't read what I did care what I told them carefully or that they, you know, just gave me some automated reply. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Support Ops Podcast. It's a show devoted entirely to helping you be a customer support pro. Check out the blog at supportops.co, or you can follow along on Twitter and tweet at us and all sorts of twit tweeting things. The handle's at supportops there. I'm your host, Chase Clements. First, big thanks to our fantastic partner, Snappy. If you're in the market for a new support app, this is the one you want to try out. Really easy to use, really easy to set up, really easy to do, well, just about everything in there that you need to do. So go check them out, supportops.co forward slash snappy. You'll make Ian a uh, happy guy. This is episode number 27 with Micah Bennett from Zapier. Zapier is one of those awesome little tools that it sounds so simple and then you realize how complex it is on the back end, right? So basically Zapier takes... 250 or I think the website said over 250 it takes a ton of apps and basically connects and automates them so you can easily use those apps AP, uh, APIs without knowing anything about coding or knowing about an API even anything like that you know it's it's a really awesome little tool it's it's got to have some interesting support cases too behind it so that's why I wanted to get Micah on the show for this episode so Micah thanks for uh, being on the show Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, so, well, I guess we should start off with a really simple, easy question to to ease you in to our audience. So, how are you? I'm doing just well. Uh, handling the November weather just fine here. See, that wasn't hard. You're you're going to be a natural at this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, along the kind of same simple kind of starter questions, tell tell the audience who you are and you probably have a more elegant way of describing Zapier than I just fumbled through. Well, you did a pretty good job. Uh, um, basically, Zapier helps you connect the different web services you use. Um, so we can help you take info from, say, Basecamp and send it to a place like, oh, I don't know, High Rise, uh, to give an example, or Campfire, uh, or to, to use a, a, you know, another example. I mean, there are, like you mentioned, hundreds of them. Uh, people, you know, take information out of Wufu forms and send them to Salesforce, or they take transactions from PayPal and send them to QuickBooks or FreshBooks. Um, and really, that's one of the things that uh, can be sometimes difficult at the outset to explain is the just complete breadth of possibilities that are out there. Uh, like you mentioned, we support over 250 services, and uh, many of those have, you know, different triggers and actions that we're capable of supporting. So, uh, you know, the number of use cases is, you know, beyond my ability to calculate. So uh, it makes for a lot of fun and, and unique support uh, interactions and, and kind of troubleshooting, uh, but also that, you know, makes it a big challenge too. Yeah, that's the thing. I can't even... I do support for, for a handful of apps, and that's easy. I understand how they work. I understand how things can interact with them and, and that kind of thing. But you're dealing with over 250 completely separate apps that y'all that your team didn't build. I, I think that's the most astonishing part. Like you know, you're like you mentioned, you're taking things from Basecamp and throwing them into Salesforce, or you're taking things from uh, Wufu and throwing them into to Campfire. And and I just got to imagine that you've got to have a lot of really cool tricks up your sleeve for keeping all of these things straight. 
Yeah, well, uh, we we do what we can to try and make our end of things as seamless as possible, right? Um, we try we try very hard to keep uh, what, like you mentioned, is a very complex problem, uh, and give the user the most simple interface that we can, while also maintaining all that functionality. Uh, and so, from a support perspective, uh, what we're challenged with most of all is, is like you say, that. Um, we're incredibly reliant on services that we didn't build and that we don't control. So if a service goes down for an hour, we can't control that. If a service um, you know, has temporary unavailability, we can't control that. If they have really opaque error messages, uh, we can't control that. And so what we have to do is kind of do a couple different things to try and make sure that the user uh, understands exactly what's going on. Uh, and one of those ways is just in the way that we handle the tasks that we perform for people. Um, you know, in the interface, your zaps is what we call them, these connections between two services. They run automatically, and they run into errors on occasion, like for the variety of reasons we I just mentioned. Um, and one of the things that we can do is that when we have those instances where, say, you know, a service had 15 minutes of downtime, well, that's 15 minutes where we couldn't send something their way or we couldn't get anything from them. So what we offer in the interface is the ability to kind of check that history and be able to resend it back across. And that helps cut out a lot of different uh, support cases where we would otherwise have to say, well, you know, sorry about your luck. We can't really do much about them being down. Uh, and then from, you know, going back to the interface, <clears throat> excuse me, of building a Zap, we also try and do the best to guide people through it. Uh, we've gone through a couple different uh, UI iterations, actually, to try and make sure that we're really pointing people towards um, the right steps to take. Because like like we talked about, it's a, it's a complex thing being able to connect so much information across different services. Uh, and so being able to get people to a specific pattern and uh, understanding what exactly they're doing when they connect these two services is maybe the most important step. So uh, a customer comes to you and are they usually looking for like a very specific thing? Like I need to take this WooFoo form and I need to put it in campfire or are they coming to you and saying, Hey, I see that you've got lots of cool little tricks that you can do here and, and different apps that you can integrate. Here's the idea I have. Tell me what I need to do. So we see a little of both. Um, I'd say a little more frequently we see people who have a specific use case in mind. People search into Google, I want to take the, you know, the WooFoo form and send it to Campfire, and we pop up and they come up, and then if they can't figure it out, they ask us. And so that's kind of uh, a good number of supporting crews that we have. And those are typically easy to handle because that person knows exactly what they want, and we can you know, guide them through whatever steps they need to take if we can help them at all. Uh, where we get to the more challenging ones is where people say, like you mentioned, um, I, I use these two services. What can I do with it? Or, um, you know, I use this service and I want to do more with it. What can I do? Uh, and so we've tried to, to build out kind of a library of different uh, possibilities that are out there. Um, from our homepage, you can get to kind of an explore function where you can pull down uh, different services and just use that as a filter and see all the different possibilities that other users have shared amongst them. Uh, and that can really kind of help in just kind of getting a handle on how powerful Zapier can be for you, uh, while also kind of helping to really narrow down to get to your one thing that might be really, really valuable. So Zapier is, is, a, is a small team. Uh, how many are there total now? Because I know you hired it, all that good stuff. Yeah, well, we're, we're growing. So let's see, what's the number as of today? It is eight, eight of, as of today. So there's eight, and you're really the only one on support, right? 
Yeah, I'm the only one who kind of has support in the title uh, as full-time support. Uh, we really take a company-wide approach to uh, what Kevin Halabouf, who calls support-driven development. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I'm the one who's responsible for you know support at the end of the day, but everyone pitches in. So we have a developer rotation where one of our devs is always on call doing more technical fixes, uh, you know, bug stomping type things, uh, little miscellaneous improvements that make things better for our users. Uh, and then our non-developers kind of pitch in on a infrequent or more regimented schedule just where they can to help uh, not only keep them close to the product, but also to kind of uh, grow their knowledge, alleviate some of our support load. Uh, and just in general, that's the type of company you want to be where everyone stays close to what the customers are telling us. So with that kind of support-driven team and that kind of you know everyone working support idea, um, what's your average caseload looking like? And what's your average response for tickets looking like? So right now we, we use uh, primarily email for support. Um, we'll get, you know, on heavy days, upwards of, you know, I let's see, I'm trying to remember what Help Scott tells me, about 150 emails uh, in a given day. Um, you know, that can vary, ever flow, depending on the ones that are quick responses or those that end up being those, you know, 10 re- reply uh, mm-hmm. chains that you can't seem to quite figure out. Um, so uh, on a given day, that's kind of the average. Um, response time, we're, we're pretty good um, at getting back to people within a couple hours. Uh, I don't have the breakdown versus kind of business hours versus non-business hours, which kind of uh, colors things a bit. Uh, but I think even given the time that we are you know, asleep in our beds, we're still getting back to people in less than five hours. Yeah, which is not bad at all. You must be sleeping like five hours a night, basically. <laughs> Well, it helps that we're a distributed team. So we have some folks out in California. I'm in Chicago. Uh, so we kind of get some time zone arbitrage a little bit from that. And we also have some night owls among our, our devs who also can help uh, keep things light a little bit. When you're pulling in all these different kind of personalities, I guess, for lack of a better word, I mean, you're going to be a little bit different than like a, a dev or a designer or something like that. Do you have any challenges as far as keeping a consistent um, Zapier support experience in mind? Like, are you all using kind of the same language or has everyone kind of got their own spin on their replies? Well, one thing we want to always do is be authentic with those replies. So we, I don't want to tell someone, you know, here's the words we want to use and these are the words that we use in this situation or that situation, uh, especially as we end up, you know, growing our support team eventually. Uh, what we also want to do, though, is is have certain principles in mind. So we always want to get the user to an, uh, a feeling where they felt that they've been listened to. Uh, in my mind, even more so than giving someone the wrong information, uh, more so than taking forever to get back to them, uh, there's nothing worse than when I ask someone a question and then the response gives me the impression that they didn't read what I did care what I told them carefully or that they you know just gave me some automated reply um, regardless of how friendly or otherwise you know helpful that it was so that's the one thing we strive for is kind of that authenticity and then you know that sense of empathy where we really can kind of connect with that user uh, and that's kind of the one thing we try and hold dear among all our support replies and then let everything else flow out from there uh, you know everything else we try and do things fast but not at the expense of that principle uh, we try and you know be as, as um, you know, as, as honest and, and upfront with our users as possible, but not at the expense of that principle. Fortunately, those don't conflict very often, which is why it's it's uh, you know easy enough to try and use as a guiding uh, guiding principle. But that's kind of the baseline what we aim for. 
you mentioned right now email only, which makes sense considering you know how, the load that you're dealing with and, and it being you only full time and, and a couple other people pitching in here and there. Um, any experiments with uh, other channels, phone, chat, anything like that? Yeah, so we we do offer a, a limited amount of phone support uh, for users on our highest plan. They can schedule a call with us. Um, it doesn't get used all that often. Uh, some of our users that you know are on our highest plans are those who probably have mastered the product a good bit, uh, and so they may require less handholding or uh, otherwise, you know question answering or they're just more you know they're more comfortable answering via email that's how a lot of people are these days um we used to offer live chat uh, we used olark for that and that's something as our volume grew that we had to uh, go away from uh and so it's something that we'd like to kind of come back to i think uh depending on how you know uh our resources grow and how how uh, the support load grows uh, but for now uh we we stick you know, 99% to, to email support. So what was the thinking behind dropping the, the live chat? Was it just strictly support? Uh, the, just strictly like the load that you had? That, that was the vast majority of it. Um, we, we felt that, uh, like we talked about, you know, with talking about how we relate to customers, there's kind of a baseline um, experience that we want to offer users. And one of that you know, the main part of that is being able to respond to emails well and in a timely manner. And given the resources that we have to dedicate to support, uh, it's not something that we could have continued to offer with the way that we are growing and then also with the demands of being able to man live chat for a significant portion of the day. So I think that's something as we go back to, we'll have to be a little more mindful of in terms of just like not, you know, flipping, you know, with Olark especially, it can be so easy to, you know, flip the the switch to online and all of a sudden you can, you know, not see anyone and then see 10 people at once. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll be a little more mindful on how we uh, kind of approach that because I do think that chat is a, is a great way to kind of bridge that gap uh, for a service like ours who doesn't provide a great deal of phone support uh, and being able to get people some immediate answers if that's what they absolutely want and prefer, uh, while at the same time not sacrificing kind of that core uh, core foundation of being able to give great email support. So with the, the phone support, I, you know, I imagine that the, the same challenges are there. You've limited it to a certain degree by just offering it on the top plans. Uh, what, what was the thinking behind that limitation? Was it, again, just that it's easier to, to control the floodgates when they open? Yeah, the scalability is a large part of that. Um, we actually have a document that sometimes if people ask us, we're, we're willing to link out where our CEO goes into a little more detail. Um, I believe it's the folks at Sticker Mule who, who've done a really good uh, a post on uh, being able to provide phone support and the challenges that, that come about why a lot of people don't. Uh, and one of those, aside from just the inherent scalability, is that um, it ends up you know, being sometimes a lesser experience for the user. If they have a question that I don't have an answer to, you know, do I put them on hold? Do I call them back? Do they just wait for dead air for one, five, ten minutes? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, that may not even be uh, preferable once they kind of see what the phone support would be like in action. Uh, the other side of that is that being able to show people versus telling them is kind of something that's really important, especially with a product like ours that has a lot of little bits and a lot of little bits that are out of our control. So being able to use maybe more static resources and guides to kind of help uh, point people along can give them kind of the more learning versus telling aspect mm -hmm. of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then lastly um, is the just the recordability aspect of it. Uh, phone support is kind of uh, – you know, a black box where it happens and then you can't really repeat the learn or excuse me, like um, 
you know, repeat those learnings over and over and over again in terms of being able to help different users. Um, you know, you can get to the point of phone scripts and, and different tricks along those lines. Uh, but in terms of like, okay, this process I used uh, to help this user, that would make a great, you know, help doc, for example. And then now we're pushing further over to to the, the static resources side rather than just being able to continually kind of, um, you know, hit the immediate, not urgent need of, uh, of answering that customer when it comes up again yeah and i guess you know if you're doing live chat or or email you know super easy to link over to an article to kind of not reuse but you know if you've kind of if you've got a good answer yeah you you want to reuse it with other customers who have that same problem with with phone it's it's kind of hard to pass over a url yeah most definitely Yeah, the shorteners make that a little easier, but yeah, no, no doubt you want to, you want to be able to get people those answers as quick as you can and as thoroughly as you can. Uh, and you know, as you can understand from my dictation, sometimes the over, you know, over the air like this isn't the best way to get you a concise answer uh, or the most thorough answer. So one of the things that I do talking about the the static resources that, that Zapier offers, uh, one of the things I like about the help sites contact page is you know, you don't force people to go through um, searching through all of your forms before they contact you. It's really upfront and and just reading from the uh, the help site here, and I'll link to it in the show notes for our, our listeners. Um, you you put up there if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can email us at contact at zapier.com. and to reach any of us individually, our contact info is listed on our about page. So. You know, do you get a lot of people contacting you directly or the CEO directly or or direct team members that way? Or do they mostly just kind of use the contact at Zapier.com address? Uh, The vast majority of people do use contact at Zapier.com. They either don't search out our about page or they're, you know, the get help button on the sidebar takes them to the contact form. And that's just an easier flow for them to begin with. Uh, We do have the occasional person who tries to to contact us directly. Uh, In general, we like I'm happy to respond through that uh, avenue. Oftentimes I'll forward that on to the contact uh, email address, if only so that that conversation can live there. I'll be the one responding, but then maybe the next time, you know, I'll be out to dinner. And so, you know, maybe our CEO Wade will be the one, you know, looking through uh, the inbox. And if that lives in my inbox, he never sees that and can never respond and gets a slower response uh, to the user. So does Wade Uh, kind of do the same thing? Does he forward those emails into the, the support queue and then answer from there? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the the general logic that we all use. Uh, some of our devs also get questions from partners as well, and uh, and so you know, there's an extent depending on the relationship you have with that user. Uh, you know, we get questions from a lot of our uh, you know partner services. There being 250 of them now. Um, and so, you know, we don't want to be completely impersonal to the point where, you know, we're, we're just, you know, using that as a funnel to a common email address. Uh, but at the same time, you know, like you said, it can be a much better experience if we push that there. So more of those general uh, support inquiries that may come through there will we'll push through that, uh, that contact email address again. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I don't, you know, mind that people contact us directly at all. And it's really not all that often. So you mentioned your your partners in there, which is a good thing I hadn't thought about before. But do you treat your partners, the the partner apps that you have, basically the same uh, as like your customers? Like, do they receive the same uh, response times and things like that that your customers do? Or do you kind of uh, put preference over one or the other in any way? So we don't really prioritize along those lines. Uh, It's it's more of a matter of uh, 
you know, potential partners versus actual partners in some cases, because a lot of times people come to us and say, you know, hey, we think Zapier is a great idea. You know, how do we get involved? How can we be a part of this? Uh, and that gets answered in, you know, in the same queue by the same people in the same order as any other uh, support interaction. Uh, we have taken some strides, uh, especially in recent months, to kind of refine the process of what happens next in that point. So uh, we do more kind of uh, face-to-face uh, -face with uh, interfacing with partners before uh, we push that integration live. Uh, we've you know, emphasized more on the co-marketing aspect to really show off to the users like all the cool things you can do with Zapier uh, you know, because of that service. And that can really help drive you know, adoption on our end and then really make their users happy uh, on their end. So in that sense that we do have kind of a little closer contact with uh, the partners as they're kind of building out those integrations and, and making them live. Uh, but at the same time, you know, with, with general inquiries, questions, little technical issues that come up, uh, those feed the same inbox that we kind of go through, uh, you know, basically in that same order, um, you know, handled by the person who can, you know, or has the knowledge to answer it. Yeah, it totally makes sense. So looking forward from here, uh, you know, Zapier is still a small team. Uh, you're, you're growing rapidly and, and people love your product. So going forward, what ideas are you looking at to to kind of beef up your customer support experience you know we, we talked a little about about live chat but are there other things that you've got kind of on the horizon that you're thinking about um as you grow yeah we're uh are definitely looking forward to being able to dedicate some more resources to the static documentation we mentioned earlier uh we had a there was a point where we didn't really have any, and that was a nightmare for all involved. Uh, and so we really kind of dedicated the time and the manpower to getting that out there. Uh, and it exists, and it's great, and it, it helps a lot of people. Uh, and I think kind of the next step is being able to to hit uh, you know, some more of these more popular kind of corner cases that people run into, uh, as well as providing some more kind of tutorial type resources. Because one of the questions we get most often is, you know, how does it work? What does it do? You know, I use these two services. Is there a video that can help me with that? Um, you know, being able to show off the power of Zapier to people in, you know, different format, be that help docs, be that video, uh, you know, be that webinars. Uh, we do, uh, and that's one thing I neglected to mention as part of our support uh, is that our uh, CEO actually does a Google Hangout with all our u any user that wants to join in uh, once a week. And that, that goes for an hour. And that ends up being, uh, in many cases, just kind of live onboarding for some people or, you know, just general answering questions. Uh, but, yeah, so going forward, I think we want to do a lot more on that end uh, as well as, like you mentioned, kind of maybe explore some more ways that we can uh, get a little more immediacy in our support while at the same time doing that uh, kind of in a scalable fashion. So with that Google Hangout, do, do customers tend to appreciate that? Uh, you know, with, with me, we're using, with Basecamp, we're using GoToMeeting right now. We've toyed with the idea of using Hangouts, but it can, you know, anytime you do any kind of live online class like that, you're going to have some users who get frustrated because they don't click the right things to get signed up or can't see the video and all that. Uh, so how are your customers liking that, that Google Hangout setup? Uh, the response, from what I can tell, is, has been uh, has been pretty positive. Uh, it gives people kind of that personal outlet if they want to have that face to face. It also helps that it's our CEO doing it. It really helps lend some cachet to that. Um, you know, we we hear all. Uh, responses from people because we we notify them as part of kind of their onboarding process that you know these hangouts exist this is you know something that we do you know you want to join us uh, and you know we see responses all the time like yeah you know looking forward to it or you know they're bummed because they're in Australia and it's the middle of the night there or something like along those lines oh come on uh, just so, wait up till like 11 p.m. come on yeah is that what it is over there I you know 
<laughs> time zones, right? Uh, <laughs> if there was only some handy like online time converter thing out there. Yeah, if only, right? <laughs> could connect it to Zapier so it could tell me each week. Um, but yeah, so uh, so we we do that, and that that gets a very positive reaction. It can be like you mentioned, the occasional challenge for people to connect. Uh, Google Plus can be a little. Uh, Obscure is maybe the way of, of saying how they display things like events, especially recurring events, which are largely the same, and the only difference is the date. Uh, so you have the odd issue with that, but by and large, it's been it's been very positive. And that's why you know months and months later, we still you know dedicate something as important as uh, you know an hour or so of the CEO's week to to making sure that we provide it. Yeah, and it's free, which is probably the best part, especially as a small company. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So uh, last one that we want to wrap up with, it's one that I use as much as I can with all of our guests on the show. So uh, tell me about the best customer experience you've ever had where you were the customer. That's the kicker. It's where you were the customer and you were on that receiving end of the, the customer experience. The best uh, on the receiving yeah, end of the customer best experience. Ever. Mm. All right, not uh, best ever, but best recently, you know. Recently, uh, okay. Um, I... I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the uh, on the most recent here. Let's see if there's something. Uh, you know, I I guess I'm 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 kind of an oddity in that um, by nature I'm even though I do support I tend to like avoid support interactions if that makes You're sense. You're not an oddity. I um, do the same I'm, thing. Okay, I very <laughs> much you know like I'm I'm the person who you build the help docs for so I can figure it out myself and watch the YouTube video and and kind of get things squared away. Uh, so I guess I have to kind of go a little unconventional in that. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. So who's got some good help docs that you've seen recently? Oh, help docs. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was actually just paging through uh, uh, Wistia's stuff uh, in the past couple of weeks, and they do a great job. Oh God! Uh, especially Jeff's with the, gonna hear the, this the, oh. and gonna be so excited that you mentioned <laughs> Wistia and. Oh, but yeah, they do have some great docs. They really do. And I was actually looking through their, their API docs, which are also very well documented because uh, that's an area where, like many things API, we I mentioned error messages a while back. APIs are a place and with documentation, with messaging, where uh, you don't always get the same tender loving care dedicated to them because they aren't the same people, you know, building out those resources. Uh, and so oftentimes that can lead to some, you know, scary readings and uncertainty on our end or you know worst uh, of all for our users uh so but Wissy does a great job with uh with both their static resources which are pretty terrific and, and with their their you know api and dev resources which really kind of lay things out pretty clearly yeah he's never gonna let me live this down when it comes <laughs> to hang out next monday it's just jeff you're awesome just just putting that out there for all the grief get grief that we give him so anyways yeah uh Wistia is great I'll make sure the, the show notes has a link to their help docs. They're fantastic. Um, other than that, that means episode 27. It's in the books. You can find Micah on Twitter under at Micah Bennett. That's Bennett with two T's. If you spell it with one T, you get some random person that you don't want. Um, so make sure it's two T's in there. Uh, Micah, thanks for being on the show. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So show notes are up, supportops.co forward slash podcast. And if you like the show, go ahead and rate us in iTunes, open it up, search for support ops there, or just click on the link right in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, for giving us, you know, 25 minutes of your time. I'm Chase. And until we talk again, have an awesome week. <laughs>